Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. And I'm Matt Smith, Bureau Chief, also at Engadget. Hello. So we have Matt here and a bunch of our UK folks in the office to prepare for the next year, NCES and everything. And uh, I guess Sherlyn just could not take this big Brit energy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just outright insulted by the fact <laughs> she's not here. Um, she was going to be here like an hour before we started recording, and then she was like, Oh, Matt's there. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sick. Sorry, I'm sick, she said. Quote, unquote. So. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so you may recognize Matt's voice from our morning podcast, uh, where do you just get up every morning, Matt, and pick a story and just go in your bedroom and in your yeah, bathroom? Yeah, I just equip myself with bed hair, look at the site, <laughs> and just decide exactly what I'm going to try and run through in five minutes, uh-huh. and exactly what everyone should know, pretty much before they've even had their coffee, That's and great. often before I haven't. <laughs> So that's a lot of fun. Well, thank you, Matt, for joining us. Uh, this week, we are we are in the midst of many things. We're in the midst of CES prep. We are in the midst of our end-of-year reviews and everything. Um, what is really interesting, though, is the giant new computer that is finally showing up at reviewers, and that is the Mac Pro. And we want to talk a little bit about that, kind of what this machine is for. This is a machine that can cost over $52,000 at its maximum spec. Uh, but it's also being reviewed pretty well, and I think it's worth talking about like what this hardware is for, um, who really needs something like this, and what it means in the grand landscape of Apple's hardware. As always, please subscribe to the Engadget Podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Please leave us a review. Every little bit of commentary is appreciated. So before we get to the Mac Pro, this is also really an interesting time to talk about like what Apple is doing in general, because we saw last week that uh, they announced they're going to be going to CS to, for the first time in over 20 years, right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, this is like their first professional capacity. Like, you see Apple execs wandering around CES floors. <laughs> With their name badges flipped around, it's the weirdest thing in the world. So they, they like go around CES like ninjas, trying not to be conspicuous, yeah. So what's really interesting is that this also follows just uh, Apple's, I I don't know, trolling everybody at CES last year because they just plastered a giant, I don't know if you'd call it an ad. It's more like a public service announcement on the side of a hotel. A public snipe, wasn't it? Yeah. It was this giant ad just saying, hey, we don't. We don't keep your data. All these other jerks, uh, all these other companies you rely on have all this data and they're Mm. selling your data. We don't do that. And they're going to be at CES this year talking about privacy and things like that and security. So I think that's going to be interesting. We're not going to see new products from them most likely, but it is going to be a CES panel. So 
it's notable that Apple's there and kind of lending a voice to CS in general. I think it's definitely a more professional approach from Apple compared to the <laughs> yeah the sassy poster last year. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what they say. But yeah, this isn't about spicy new Apple products. This is about yeah. more serious trends and privacy and other things like that. To me, this is really interesting. Um, the first episode of this final season of Silicon Valley and HBO was all about that. That season started off uh, at a congressional hearing where Richard Hendricks was talking about what Pied Piper was doing when it came to user privacy. And it seems like we weren't really getting that from the actual companies. It seemed like we had to wait for like a comedic satire to talk about these things, whereas Google certainly isn't very much. Facebook really isn't. And I mean, it's boring. Yeah. That's the issue, right? Um, it's, it's boring, hard to... but it's important. It, that's the yeah. thing. It's very important, but you need satire. You need <laughs> almost like the entertainment industry to kind of put it in front of people's faces uh-huh. and me- get them to talk about it. Yeah, and speaking of Silicon Valley, I actually just uh, reviewed the final season and kind of kind of sent that series off with a farewell because I think there is a great need for tech satire like that, and there really isn't much right now. So mm. go check that out at Engadget. Let's move on to the Mac Pro. This is a beautiful machine and I think a nice change forward from the trash can Mac Pro that Apple released uh, several years ago. That was like their high-end option. People didn't really like it because it wasn't very upgradable. It wasn't very uh, good with heat. Um, Basically, all the things Pro users (laughs) needed a machine for, it was terrible at. So they went back to the drawing board, they rebuilt the Mac Pro, and they basically gave us what looks like the old uh, cheese grater style tower. Um, So physically, not that much different, but under the hood, I think it's really, really fascinating. So the new Mac Pro starts at $5,999. That is a huge chunk of change, but that also gets you some serious hardware like the 8-core 3.5 gigahertz Xeon processor, 32 gigabytes of RAM, and a Radeon Pro 580X graphics. So that's, that's a lot of stuff in there, but what's really interesting is you can really spec up this machine you can price it really really like (laughs) you could price it over fifty two thousand dollars uh if you want the 28 core 2.5 gigahertz xeon 28 cores that's a seven thousand dollar upgrade if you want 1.5 terabytes of ram that's another twenty five thousand dollars and by the way you also need to buy an additional 24 core processor just just to run that the uh dual graphic setup if you want two radeon pro vega two duos uh say that very quickly, uh, that will cost $10,800. Like there is, you can basically just price this thing up all the way. It sounds insane. And I think there was uh, rightfully a lot of, uh, you know, us poking fun at this pricing and kind of what it means. Um, Matt, do you have any thoughts in terms of like this machine? Is this a machine you'd want? And do you have a sense of like I who mean, this is for? The kind of, the clout you'd have if you, the clout you'd <laughs> have if you owned one of these machines. Like, you would do any kind of podcast video work with it constantly in the background. Like, oh, what? This machine? This machine that this costs more than the... This beautiful cheese grater? Yeah. yeah, this beautiful cheese grater that costs more than the deposit for your house? Yes, it's mine. Yes. Or, oh, Apple sent it. Roll eyes. Carry on. Mm-hmm. Nothing to look at here, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible, though. I just wonder what it's capable of. What What would I derive from all that power? Yes. And certainly with the Mac spec, I think that's, uh, that's a rightful question. I've seen a couple people bring up... Um, ways that this could be used so one of my favorite twitter accounts is uh swift on security the anonymous like yes, it yes, yes, yes. person 
who also has a lot of great thoughts about PC hardware. You know, they point out like a professional system like this uh, with PC hardware currently will cost you around $80,000, 80 to 90000 So uh, this is kind of a deal. compared. You know, when it comes to the hardware you're getting, you're getting some exclusive gear here that isn't available to PCs. Um, and I think for pro users, and I'm not just meaning like somebody who edits video occasionally. I mean, somebody working at like a visual effects company like Digital Domain um, or Weta, like they need the fastest machines they can get. So anything that can shave off seconds of their workflow, uh, that's added productivity. That's better effects that can be in the next movies. That's, you know, something meaningful for their bottom line. So at the end of the day, a $52,000 PC actually isn't that big of a deal. Um, so Marquez Brownlee, the, you know, very popular YouTube uh, tech reviewer, had some really interesting stats because he's been playing with one for the past two weeks. He's rendered an 8K video, and on the MacBook Pro, the new 16-inch MacBook Pro, it took him 20 minutes and 8 seconds. On the iMac Pro, this, I guess one of the much faster versions of that machine, it took him 11 minutes and 56 seconds. On the Mac Pro, with the 28 cores uh, and all this RAM and almost fully spec'd out, it took 4 minutes and 20 seconds. So that is, you know, that is three times as fast as the iMac Pro. That is significantly faster than the MacBook Pro. And that's a big deal. And that's 8K. So that is hardware that's already tough to deal with. Uh, this was also like, a, I believe, a five-minute clip. So this rendered 8K faster than real time, mm. which has been like a holy grail for professional users for a while. This isn't a workflow, I think, that's going to be for everybody. Uh, even like movies aren't fully edited or processed in 8K right now because the actual digital masters are still 2K. It's a it's a super stupid, annoying thing. So even like, um, you know, CG movies don't get full 4K rendering because that would be incredibly expensive and costly. But maybe if there were more hardware like this out there in their server farms, there's also a rack version of the Mac Pro. Um, you know, maybe we would see more of that. And yeah, these aren't really machines for personal use. These no. are for companies. These are for studios. Um, I, I mean, like, it's re it's so hard to kind of demonstrate all this power exactly what it can do. But yeah. processing 8K is probably as close as you can get to get something tangible. Right now, yeah, yeah. processing 8K is like that is that is still the holy grail. No one person should have all that power, basically. <laughs> um, I have talked to a couple of people, though, like who, you know, other people who produce video and content for YouTube, they want a machine like this. They cannot justify a $6,000 starting mm. price. And I feel like that is that is definitely a valid complaint. Um, you could certainly get PC hardware at that end of the spectrum much cheaper. That's probably a little faster. So it is kind of interesting to see Apple kind of weight this machine more to the serious users who really demand all this power. But honestly, it's kind of refreshing because we've spent the last five years really being disappointed by Apple's hardware. Um, one of our first episodes of this podcast was all about how Apple seemed to be screwing up hardware and consumer hardware so much. And I think with the 60-inch MacBook Pro, which I just reviewed, um, and this machine, it seems like they're finally going back to a place where they're actually committed to providing something for their pro users, the people who have been dedicated to their hardware for so long. It seems like they're actually listening to them and helping them. So that's nice to see. Yeah, I think the MacBook Pro, the new 16-inch model, is indicative of them just solving their problems. Um, again, the, the, the old Mac Pro was, like you said, it wasn't easy to upgrade. It didn't handle heat well. <laughs> and then the new cheese grater literally delivers on those things mm -hmm. and then throws a shit ton of power in the process. <laughs> 
So yeah, it has a ton of power. Um, there's still some things we can also criticize too. Uh, we talked about the $1,000 monitor stand for the new Pro mm. display. Uh, that is still very silly, very ridiculous. And we also just learned uh, the Mac Pro's wheels cost $400. So I, it, there are still points where it seems like Apple is pushing it really hard. But I guess if you're willing to spend tens of thousands for a machine, $400 for wheels isn't a big deal. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, you can spec this thing up all the way to $52,600. That would be 2,104 plush baby Yodas. So let's talk about everything else Apple has been doing this year when it comes to hardware. I am a huge fan of the new AirPods Pro. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the AirPods, though I did mm-hmm. have a pair. They, Same. They yeah. did look like electric toothbrush heads. <laughs> the sound quality wasn't great. Um, they did stick in well, and... They were also the best at just holding the signal to your phone and to your music mm-hmm. source. But the AirPods Pro, they come with the, the nice little silicone tips for a nice fit. So it's already sealing out noise. And then there's the active noise cancellation, which is excellent. It's really good. Yeah. How does it compare? Have you tried like uh, the Sony noise cancelling yes, earbuds? Yes, I have a pair of the Sonys. And they're also excellent, although they do stick out a bit. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Apple in their apple way have made the AirPods Pro just so good because it's just so smooth with the hardware. Mm-hmm. It connects just lightning quick. Um, I think they just fit incredibly well. Like the silicone tips don't really push against your ears too much. They still kind of just mystically stay in your ear, just like the original AirPods. Uh, for some people. For some people. We've had oh, really? this conversation. Like what, with uh, Airpo- Oh, with AirPods The original originals. AirPods yeah. are just like, I-, I don't know, it's like they're uh, magnetically opposite to my ears. Like I'll put them in and they'll just like fly out. <laughs> fly so... It's not, it hasn't been great. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying out the AirPods Pro. So yeah, this is another example of good hardware. I guess this has been just a really good last few months for Apple because we're used to getting to the fall, maybe being excited for a new iPhone, uh, maybe being disappointed by things Mm, we're losing. But we haven't really had great, fantastic hardware from them in a very long time. So AirPods Pro, good suggestion. Good thing. MacBook Pro 16 inch, good thing. Good thing. Uh, Um, Mac Pro for the people who need it, good thing. I would also argue the iPhone 11 Pro is a very nice upgrade, too. Yes, yes. It's certainly expensive. Um, it may not be worth an upgrade from last year's uh, 10, you know, 10S and everything. But I went for one just because I need those cameras. Yeah, it is the yeah. perfect baby phone. Like uh, taking photos of babies, it is perfect because sometimes I need to go wide. Sometimes I need <laughs> to zoom in. I need faster portrait. I need, like, all these things. You've and... got to capture that moment immediately. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So I bought this thing mainly for the speed of that and also having decent night sight photography. Um, I, I remember when the Pixel phone started getting that. Um, I feel like a lot of engadget people just started having two phones, right, just for that. Literally, that's what I was going to say. I turned into that tech blogger cliche of having <laughs> like my daily driver iPhone that had my WhatsApp on and like the phone my mom would call me on. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have the Pixel or even... Obviously, I'm in the UK. I'd have a P30 Pro from Huawei. Sure. And it just has so many more flexible camera options, better low-light photography. It was just better than the iPhones uh, in previous years. But now, yeah, the uh, 11 Pro, I have the Max, which is huge, but it means... It's too big. It is too big. But the battery lasts forever. Sure. It's really good in that regard as well. You're like... I feel like you have a problem when it comes to battery life, Matt. Because you also... You have the Max, and you also have the the chunky case. Yeah, I have... have, Don't think that's what you call it. It's a little... That's a little overkill. Yeah, I have the Apple chunky case. It is a little overkill, but what I found in this week of New York, I've only had to charge it since Monday once. (laughs) Which is like... That's like a Nokia thing from... Sure. 15 years sure. ago. I'm I'm loving it. I just That's, It's cool. How heavy is that phone now? Have you weighed it? Now that it has Oh, it's the, real heavy. Yeah. The Max is uh is a half a pound. 
yeah, pretty yeah. much. So, and then the case will just add into that. To use a Dragon Ball reference, when I take <laughs> the case off, man, that phone, it feels really light then. Sure. It's all sure. relative. When you take a giant weight <laughs> off of it, yeah. You're like Goku training in the, yep. the space thing where the gravity is like extreme. And then my you get ankle out, like... weights, but they're in my, you know, um, <laughs> my elasticated jeans, yeah. And Apple also just gave up the ghost on things that weren't working. Do you remember air power? I do. That was a that was a long journey just to have a single device that could charge three things wirelessly at once. And I think wasn't this the main technical challenge? Just so you could dump your phone or watch mm-hmm. on it anywhere and it worked, which mm-hmm. I assume is very hard. But also, Apple didn't have to do that. Yeah, they didn't. Um, I, I think it was a cool idea, and maybe the smartest thing they did this year was just give up on it and mm. kind of focus on other things. We've seen third parties release uh, wireless charging trays that kind of do the three device charging. But what we've also noticed is that they're very finicky. Like you have to have your phone in just the right place, your you know uh, wireless headphone case in just the right place. And I don't want to upset everyone and all these companies making these wireless chargers, but wireless charging is slow. It's not great. It's not great. It's, it's a not thing great. that'll be better in a few more years, but it's okay if Apple gives up now and comes back in three years and actually nails it properly. But. Yeah, I feel like, and this is a longer discussion for another episode, but the problems of wireless charging, it's not just that it's slow, it's usability-wise, it is a pain because mm. you can't just like pick up your phone and use it as normally uh it, while it's charging because it's it's laying on a surface um it is it, it just feels like it's a it, it's a pain like uh, especially when plug-in charging is getting so much faster with fast charge and with other things out there like there there's like less of a reason for wireless but we saw the rumors about uh maybe one of the upcoming iphones not even having uh, any sort of ports like a data port so at that point it would be all wireless charging I hope, like I've talked about how much uh, I miss the three and a half millimeter jack and how important that was. I've learned to live without that. If we lose all ports when it comes to just moving over to wireless charging, that feels like a step too far. But I'm not going to get worked up about that. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see, let the internet get freaked out for now. Yeah, I think that's still a few years away as well. I'd take USB-C over wireless charging i take USB-C too mm. and as they are with the ipad pros like it is it is very confusing at home sometimes because i have an ipad pro pl- floating around and i often think just plug in my lightning cable but no it's very different so matt we are in the midst of preparing for ces and a whole bunch of things um you know what do you, what is next for you what is next for me so yeah i'm in new york this week talking serious thrusting meetings with serious thrusting engage editors mm. when i get back what will i be doing i have a lot of things on my plate and i just have to decide what i want to do first and i think it's going to be this uh connected foam roller it vibrates <laughs> um i hope you guys understand what i'm talking about it's the kind of thing you see at the gym you sure, sure, sure. put it under the your muscle hip, rollers yeah roll around pretend you've done exercise even if you haven't um it's from this company called jack's jocks and you might have heard of them last year's ces they announced a connected kettlebell, which was kind of just connected. Like, um, Do they just go to a gym and like point at something and like, connect that? Yeah, <laughs> Bluetooth it now. Yeah. I think they do, but they seem to just, yeah, nail it every time. Um, I mean, a foam roller that vibrates is always a good starting point. I like the idea of having it connected and just being able to program it from my phone. Uh, so, yeah, fingers crossed that will be the next thing I'm working on. As for me, yeah, CES Prep 2, uh, this is a good time of the year where we start to get an idea of what's coming at CES, but I'm still reviewing a couple things. So next up for me is the Razer Blade Stealth 13, uh, which is their latest ultralight laptop. And what's really interesting is that they fit in like a pretty much full-size NVIDIA 1560 GTX GPU, I believe. So, you know, gaming level performance on a really ultralight machine, like this thing is 2.8 pounds. It's uh, it's it's fascinating. I think we're getting to really 
good point this year when it comes to PC hardware. I'm really excited to see what next year's machines look like, especially after the XPS 13 tune one, which I just, I still love that machine so much. We're seeing more devices that are as premium and interesting and fast. So looking forward to that and a lot of fun things at CES. All right, let's move on to Engadget Picks, which is our selection of just fun things that are giving us joy right now. Matt, what it, what what are you digging? So, yeah, I can't get Disney Plus because, well, you can hear it in my voice. I live in the UK and it's not coming here until March, which means oh no, all thing. You mentioned this Baby Yoda. What is this? What what <laughs> what is a Baby Yoda? What is a Baby Yoda? What exactly. is a Mandalorian? Baby Yoda. What is? Sorry, I should have said it. That <laughs> <way>. um, <laughs> um, so my main. Engadget pick this week is Davindra's Disney Plus password and login. Um, I hope to be using that maybe on Friday to catch up on The Mandalorian and all those weird 70s Disney films that are questionable. Ah, Black Hole is still very good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, I'm very sorry, Matt. Uh, It is weird that such a major Star Wars thing has launched and a large group of folks, uh, it's not just you guys, like it's many countries around the world do not have access to Disney Plus. So, you're getting spoiled on Baby Yoda. You're getting spoiled on all the little fun things happening on Mandalorian. I'm I'm very sorry, but uh, let's uh, let's talk about my login. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe you could give me something. Let's for talk that. about that off air. And, off air. Uh, yeah. Off air. I'll strike you a deal. <laughs> I just want to quickly mention the Sonos Beam, which is one of our favorite soundbars this year. Uh, it's written up for a holiday gift guide. I've been playing around more with it at home. Uh, I have one just sitting in my office. It is such a nice thing to have. It is a great sounding speaker. Um, having the Alexa support built in is really cool. I'm not using it with a TV because uh, I'm ridiculous and I have <laughs> I already have a full th- surround sound system on my living room and in my bedroom I have another like thing connected to my TV there. So I'm not using it the way it's meant to be used, but I think it would also make a great TV soundbar as well. So check that out. It's a good gift. It's expensive, but it's also a good start to, I think, a very powerful home theater system. And briefly, I just want to talk about uh, one of the podcasts I'm listening to called i spy and have you guys heard of this thing no not me it's really it's wild because it's coming from foreign policy magazine so it's not a place you'd expect high quality audio but it is a show uh hosted by esteemed character actor margot martindale uh about former spies and about their lives and kind of missions they've been on so this is in a weird way it's sort of like margot martindale reliving her uh, character from the americans where she was this uh russian agent basically like the person uh directing the main team uh this is really cool i'm always really interested in espionage and spy stuff and this is real people talking about things they've actually done and it's all pretty wild and you get a really good sense of like tradecraft and kind of what their lives are like but also the consistent theme is this is killing your soul doing this job (laughs) will destroy you and i don't know i just find something very fascinating about that i like i'm a big john le carré fan like a tinker taylor soldier spy the really deep even sometimes dull and boring spy stuff i just eat up so this show is a ton of fun how long has that been running for so far? I think only it's only a couple of weeks because there are a handful of episodes right now. It's about six or seven. Uh, but they're really short. They're really easy to consume. And I think the stories are all very compelling. So check it out. Foreign Policy Magazine. Making podcasts. Wow. So weird. That's it for today, folks. Thank you for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. And the podcast is produced by Ben Elman. 
You can find me, Devendra, at, at Devendra on Twitter. I also podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. And Matt Smith, where can we find you on the Twitters? On the Twitters, I'm at that Matt Smith. That's Matt with one T. Please don't forget. Or you can listen to my voice every weekday morning. Uh, just check out my podcast, The Morning After. Again, an Engadget original. <laughs> You've just invaded all of our smart speakers, I know, yeah. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, yes. So you can find Matt Smith at that Matt Smith. This is very confusing. This As you say, I just keep blinking. <laughs> This is turning into a Dr. Seuss rhyme. Please send us any questions or feedback at podcast at engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe literally everywhere you get podcasts. And we're on Spotify now, too, so be sure to subscribe there. Come back next week for a new episode.